Welcome to MAP, the bi-weekly market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. Mars makes it as easy as possible for you to get your pharmaceutical, medtech or digital health product to the market and of course get the price it deserves. My name is Stefan Walzer, I'm the founder of Mars and a health economist by training and working in the fields of market access, reimbursement, pricing and health economics already since 2004. And now let's learn about the market access and reimbursement systems around the globe. The Netherlands has been seen as a kind of potential role model also for a lot of different healthcare systems, at least across Europe in the last probably 10 to 20, maybe even longer kind of years. I think um, there were a lot of different pragmatic approaches in the Netherlands in the past, and that is also why it was really sometimes seen as a kind of potential solution for the future, also, for example, in Germany. But what is it really about in the Netherlands? I think, first of all, I think it's just very important to have a quick kind of overview on how the different kind of systems for drugs, but then also for medical devices really work in the Netherlands. I think first of all, I think finally the Ministry of Health, Welfare and Sports, as it is the decision, ultimate decision body um, in the Netherlands, has the kind of responsibility for including drugs and services in the benefit package um, and is also involved, for example, in the drug price negotiation. That's an important component. Maybe, and that's also maybe a question when we discuss at a later point in time with the UK, something very similar, I think, what we have seen in the NHS system in England. The National Healthcare Institute, which is the so-called ZIN, um, is then the advisor on reimbursement. So they are basically doing the evaluation of the submission package, so the, the, the dossier, the evidence, and also the health economic component of that. So they advise the ministry on the benefit package and they try as well to obviously support them in improving the quality of services. So it's beyond the drugs. It's also including care services, for example, and they're also managing the funds and distributing to health insurers. Below the National Healthcare Institute, the ZIN, there's also then a so-called scientific advisory board and the appraisal committee two different kind of, let's say, committees or boards who are also involved in the reimbursement of drugs. There are three levels of drugs. There's the list 1A drug list, which is the therapeutically interchangeable drugs according to reference price system. It's already saying interchangeable, right? So it's, uh, let's say, a bit provocative maybe, kind of me too. Then there's the list 1B, that's drugs with added therapeutic benefit that cannot be reimbursed. So that's primarily if the price, the health economics or the cost effectiveness has not been proven for those drugs. And the list two, which is then the specialty drugs in special circumstances. A health evaluation is conducted for the list 1B and list 2 drugs. So this is the kind of overview for the drugs. And we are going as well into the more details when we discuss with the different reimbursement specialists for the Netherlands. But what about medical devices in the Netherlands? And we'll have as well another discussion with, in this case, Ron de Graaf um, on the reimbursement options in the Netherlands for medical devices. 
I think generally there is obviously the kind of opportunity to launch, let's say, a medical device into so-called coding system, also in the Dutch healthcare um, part and, and policy, basically, um, which has obviously an outpatient kind of coding, but also a kind of DRG-like system, which is called the DOT. It's a case mix system. This is obviously and quite clearly, as probably across Europe, the most easiest kind of way in order to let's say, launch a product. So if there's already an existing code which can be used and utilized for your product, it is the most easy kind of way. Otherwise, obviously, um, it is the core kind of question how to, let's say, convince, especially the ZIN, in terms of the evidence and then also the health economics or the cost effectiveness. I think the cost effectiveness is one thing. I think in the drug area, there's also the kind of um, re-evaluation possible, which means also that the client or the company basically needs to um, prepare real-life data in the Netherlands and then need to resubmit for a further cost-effectiveness evaluation. This is only true for high-cost products, so not for all of the products. And then there's also obviously, I think that's quite interesting, and I think that's also where I think Ron de Graaf might speak a bit further, the kind of opportunity in the Netherlands that, for example, on a local or on a kind of more kind of small or regional component, there could be also experimental kind of coverages in the Netherlands. This might be also an interesting pathway, so let's go directly into the discussions with the Dutch experts. Good morning, Ron. Hi, good morning, Stefan. One of our, at least European, healthcare reimbursement specialists we have, um, yeah, sitting in the Netherlands, but you're obviously, besides the European focus, also uh, one of the um, also early experts within the Dutch kind of system. I think you have probably already started with market access when I was probably still at school, right? <laughs> that might be, Stefan. <laughs> I started uh, in, in the world of market access uh, around 1980 with uh, private health insurance companies in the Netherlands, where I was responsible for the negotiations with the pharmacists, with the medical supply shops, with the paramedics, etc. And I learned a lot of things over there. And in 1985, I decided to start my own company, helping manufacturers how to do the business with the health insurance companies. So in 1985, we started with support market access. Well, nobody <laughs> knew what market access was in those days. So it was an easy time. But uh, yeah, so it's quite a long time. And we have seen a lot of things uh, <laughs> in the last years change. Ex Exactly, exactly. I think that, that is a good one because I think when you started market access health economics, I think there was no real, uh, let's say, health economics, at least from a from a kind of a teaching and, and I think learning perspective available, not even in the, in the industry, right? So No, that's think, correct. And, and you even didn't have those products in those days because it was quite simple. Uh, I, I remember that in 1985, we started with the reimbursement for incontinence products and nobody knew what, what were incontinence products, baby diapers. Are you going to reimburse? My God, <laughs> those were the days. Yeah, yeah <laughs> okay. Yeah. Interesting. So let's just... Uh, Change then gears because yeah. we are now in 2021 and obviously a lot has changed in the world and I think also in the world of market access and health economics. So um, I think today we want maybe to focus especially on your experience in the Dutch market. So you as a Dutch expert. So I think before going into some of the, let's say, more uh, detailed kind of directions, could you briefly explain the Dutch market access process? Maybe also trying to differentiate a bit between drugs 
and medical devices. Yeah, okay, let, let's start with the last. Uh, the difference between drugs and medical devices, uh, <clears throat> I, I agree, because uh, the drugs are also more or less regulated by the European uh, regulation. So there are a lot of procedures which uh, are, are according to the European rules. But for medical technology, that's more difficult because you, for medical technology, you only have the MEDEF, uh, the CE, and that's the European process. And all the other issues uh, related to the market access are national. And we see a big difference uh, between the pharma and medtech because our government is highly involved in the pharma dossiers. Uh, they are even negotiation with industry when they think that the price is too high and they are able to stop uh, some drugs to come to, to the Dutch market because they are too expensive. So the government is highly involved and it's not for the medtech. So medtech is, is just the other parties in the Dutch market uh, who are involved in the whole process for market access. So there are two different markets. So it took me another day to explain the pharma market. So let's take to the <laughs> medtech. And uh, very short, there are three issues that you have to, to, to do when you enter the Dutch market. One, you have to realize that you need to have a code to be registered in the system, to be able to send invoices. And it is also mentioned in the Dutch law, you do need the code, otherwise you are not allowed to invoice. If there is no code, and the code is an uh, yeah, a lot of things are a code, but you need to have a code. And the code is given by the Dutch Health Authority, the NZA. Besides that, you need to have a positive decision to be reimbursed. And a positive decision to be reimbursed is given by the ZIN, the Dutch Health Institute. Uh, there's also a separate process. And at the end of the day, if you have a code and you have a positive decision to be reimbursed, then the health insurance companies can deny or they can buy or whatsoever. So it's not a guarantee. At the end, are the health insurance companies the party who decide, yes, this is what we are going to reimburse or not. And that's due to the fact that we have a specific system of health insurance. All the people in the Netherlands are mandatory insured. But we have two systems. We have the benefiting kind system and we have the restitution policy system. It's about 70% of the Dutch population does have benefiting kind. And benefiting kind, they will say that it's a three-party deal. Health insurance company makes a contract with a care supplier and the patient is having a contract with the insurance company and he's only allowed to go to a, uh, to a service provider uh, with a contract with insurance insurance company. <clears throat> and in those negotiations between insurance companies and the healthcare suppliers, there are tough negotiations about uh, prices, volume, quality, etc. And that is a different system. So that makes the health insurance companies quite powerful. But coming back to the market access, if you have a medical technology, medical technology or a medical device, you want to have it reimbursed. The first question is, which market do you want to launch your products? Is it the hospital market or is it the outpatient market? Because there are two different procedures. Let's start with the hospital market. Uh, the hospitals uh, are using the DBC, the Dutch DRG, as a code. That's a code. So the first question is, does your product fit in an existing code, in an existing DBC? Because if it fits, well, then it fits, and then the hospitals are able to invoice the insurance companies on that code and they can pay from the money they get from that code the manufacturer or the distributor so that's an easy way but if 
if it is an innovative product, you're sure that it doesn't fit because it's innovative. It wasn't there before. And when it doesn't fit in the code, you have to take care that you have a new code or that you will fit in an existing code. There are procedures for those procedures you have to do with the Dutch health authority, NZA, that takes time. It can take half a half year to one and a half year due to all the bureaucracy. Uh, and then at the end of the day, you, you can have a code, but during that process of obtaining a new code, the Dutch Health Authority will contact the Dutch Health Board and will ask them, do you think that this is a reimbursable product? And then you have to process with the Dutch Health Authority, the uh, Dutch Health Board, to obtain a positive decision. And then you have to submit a dossier with a lot of stuff to be able to make a decision. But that's more or less the system. But we do realize that there are so many products coming to the market that all those institutions are not able to, to have these decisions. And that's why in our system, it is mentioned in the law that each product which is according to the state, to the status of science and accepted by the doctors is more or less to be reimbursed. So if the doctors think this is standard of care and we are going to work with this, then it is a reimbursable product. And when it is a product of low cost, uh, less than 10 million euros per year, then it might be that it is automatically reimbursed and nobody will have a look at it. Not the Dutch Health Authority, not the Dutch Health Board, but maybe the health insurance companies, but that is the system. So when it is a more expensive product or when it is a very interesting product which might be a big market, then everybody is going to, to be involved and everybody wants to have an, a say in the whole process. So that's in, in, in the hospital market, more or less the systems. Realize that hospitals have a big freedom to make their own decisions, to buy or not to buy. Realize that also hospitals do have some money uh, also in the DRG system, the Dutch DBC system, they have extra money because they, they charge more than the real cost, etc., etc. So they can also pay for some new devices from their own budget. That's also possible, in all, especially in academic hospitals. There is also research money. Uh, they, have, they have also budgets for that. So in the hospital market, you, you can find your way. But sometimes it's quite difficult and you have to go in the procedures and it can take one to two years. The outpatient market, uh, with the devices which are to be reimbursed in the outpatient market, we have the so-called regeling, regulation on devices that is uh, also based on the basic insurance. And those regulations for the devices is uh, organized, is, uh, is used by the health insurance companies to reimburse products like ostomy, diabetes uh, devices, uh, incontinence prothesis, orthesis, hearing aids, etc., etc. All those kinds of things are to be reimbursed. But this regulation does only give the categories, but doesn't mention the products as such. So we have a category of hearing aids. But which hearing aids, that is something to be decided by the insurance company. And based on this regulation, the insurance company is able to set prices to negotiate and said, okay, we are going to reimburse hearing aid A, but not B, and yes, C, but not D, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're coming with a new product, you still have the first question, does the product fit in the existing regulation? 
If not, then new code has to be made. Then you are also in the same process as when in the hospital side. But when it fits in the recommendation, then is the only question, is it a reimbursable product or not? If it is an expensive product, then the Dutch Health Board will, okay, we have a look at it, you have to do a submission, then we can come to a conclusion, reimbursable or not reimbursable. And that process can also be done by the health insurance companies themselves. They have the authority to come to the decision, this is a new product, it is expensive, it fits in the reglementation, and yes, we are we are going to decide to reimburse. They have that authority. So <clears throat> depending on the way you choose, you, you can say, okay, we're going to deal with the health insurance company. If you're not sure that the health insurance companies are able to give a good decision, you may go to the SIN, to the Dutch Health Board, and say, okay, I'm going to submit there. That are choices what you have to do. It might also be the situation that you submit with the Dutch Health Board, but that is say it's not our priority. We don't do it. It go to the health insurance companies, and the health insurance can say, sorry, it is not our priority. You call to the SIN, and then you're turning around, and it can take you a few years before you're out at carousel. That happens. Uh, what we also see in the Netherlands, and that makes it quite difficult, that uh, we quite often change the requirements. So you think that you have a full dossier, everything is in it, and then they came suddenly with a question, oh, by the way, uh, you have to say something about uh, the burden of disease, but it's not in the report. Then you have to say something about the burden of disease. <clears throat> then you're back after one year and they say, oh, nice report, Oh, but you don't say anything about quality of life. You don't have uh, mentioned uh, this in your report. Okay, then you're going back. And then you're coming back with your, oh, but you don't have a support from the medical society. Uh, we, we are lacking a letter, we are lacking support. So take care that you have that. And when you have that letter, it is it, yeah, but we are lacking the patient uh, support, uh, the patient society support. So all these things are not given by rules or by laws. No, it is the interpretation and the freedom of the Dutch Health Board to make these new requirements. And they often write it in a report on page uh, 49, uh, small letters. Uh, <laughs> 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 and then you are aware that, okay, I have to do something more. That, that, that makes it quite difficult. And as I said before, we do not have European law which, which says that you have to do this, you have to do that. No. Whether it is having CE, you have your market authorization and all the other stuff after the market authorization is national and that, then you're in the national system. To make it more easy, we have also uh, in the outpatient market another uh, way to reimburse products. This is by the municipalities. So a lot of medical devices are for in-the-home situations. And then the municipalities are responsible for the reimbursement. And that's a completely different procedure. So then you have to deal with the municipalities. And then you're in the tender business mm -hmm. because municipalities have to tender. Hospitals in the Netherlands do not have to tender. Health insurance companies in the Netherlands do not have to tender. So we do not have a lot of tender business. Sometimes we see tenders from uh, insurance companies, but it's more with the purpose to understand the market, to see what the price levels are, but not really with the idea we are going to tender this, this kind of devices. So, so that doesn't happen really. So these are quasi-tenders, and they, they use it for another purpose. But that's more or less uh, the system. And there are all, a lot of other tricks uh, which, which are in, in our system. Because if you want to have a medical device in the outpatient market reimbursed, 
it fits in the regulation, then you have some other administrative things to do. We have the so-called G standard. You have to, to write your product in a certain G standard style. Uh, we have the so-called Z index. There's some private institutions which having a list with all the medical devices which are on the market. And in that list, it is said reimbursable or non-reimbursable, but you have to be on that list, otherwise you are not reimbursed. So it's a quite odd situation. You have to go to a private organization who is maintaining a certain list. You have to pay for that, then you are on the list, and then you are to be reimbursed or not reimbursed. That's, again, a decision of the insurance company. But if you're not on the list, you will never be reimbursed. So, <laughs> And in that process, uh, health insurance companies make use of that list. So you're not on the list. So then you get, go to the institution. Yes, I want to have it on the list. Yeah, it takes half a year. And then oh my God, all those kinds of things. So in parallel, you have to do a lot of things to be able to be reimbursed. And in practice, we see that distributors are not doing this kind of things. It is always the manufacturer who is responsible to do this whole process. Because distributors said, no, we are not equipped for that. We don't know what to do, etc. It's the manufacturer. And you have also to understand that the distributors do have the contracts with the insurance companies. They negotiate about prices and volume and quality and, and which kind of brands, etc., and the manufacturers do not have contracts or contacts with the insurance companies. So the distributor is always in between. The distributor doesn't allow you to go to the insurance company because, oh, no, no, that, that's for me. But if you said, okay, are you going to arrange this with the insurance company? No, no, that's for you. So uh, it is a quite, quite difficult market. And, and if you are not from the Netherlands and you do not understand this, this kind of things, it is quite difficult. And you can make a uh, wrong move and then you're out of business. But a good preparation is always the best thing to do, uh, to, to understand the system. Uh, what we have seen, what we see often is that people from outside, companies from outside uh, said, give me a distributor and then my job is done. Not realizing that the distributor, distributor is doing nothing for reimbursement. That's your job, that he doesn't tell you. And also, if you do not understand the market, then the distributor will tell you, oh, this is difficult, that's difficult, so we need a high margin, etc." But you don't know that, okay, you have to pay a high margin. But on the other hand, you could have done it yourself. And then you do understand it might be very easy to do. So a high margin, why? But if you don't understand the system, then you always pay a too high price. So we always tell manufacturers, do understand the system. How does it work? What can you do? Make a certain quick scan about the market to learn what your abilities are, what can you do, uh, to whom do you have to, to send what, to whom do you need to talk or not to talk, etc., etc. And then you start your process in the Netherlands, finding a distributor or doing it yourself, because it's also quite easy to do it in the Netherlands. Uh, we are a small country. So a lot of possibilities. So this is very brief, very short. Uh, it can take me a whole day to explain really the system, uh, but <laughs> it's not possible today. But yeah, very short. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think it shows already very much that it's a really complex kind of system, even though that I think some parts I could as well see, for example, in Germany, but maybe even more in the Swiss healthcare system, especially with the kind of, uh, let's say, processes, as you described, with maybe products which had, do not have a high price with the kind of proven efficacy. I think that they, those might go 
quite easily into the market. I think that's maybe something what you could potentially also see in the medical device area for Switzerland, but maybe make it a bit easier. I think, especially um, for the ones who are listening to us, um, could you as well maybe extract a learning what, for example, Germans or also Swiss maybe could take from the Netherlands? I mean, in the past, we all, at least in Germany, we had a, a deeper look into the Dutch healthcare system in general, you know, how it's, how it's managed and the whole kind of financing, et cetera. I think that was especially at the beginning of the 2000s. Um, but I mean, going back directly to the reimbursement, is there anything we could learn from the Netherlands where you say this is really great about our process and our kind of environment? Yeah, we, we do have a lot of uh, separate regulations to, to start experiments with new devices or new services whatsoever. So there are a lot of possibilities to do this. That, that can be arranged between the healthcare provider and insurance companies together. They can make a certain deal. Said, okay, this is something new. We don't know what will happen. We are going to do a certain pilot for a certain period, and that's possible. The only thing what they have to do is to send a letter to the Dutch Health Authority If it is something new without the codes that we sent a letter, we're going to do this and that and that, so many patients, etc. And then they can go. And if it is a success, then they can roll it out all over the market. And if it is not a success, okay, we tried it. And that's that's quite easy to do. Uh, we have also on the GP level a lot of possibilities to start with pilots. Uh, they can have a certain extra money to do something in the GP practice. There's also a deal between the GP practice and the insurance company, quite easy to do, especially in our system, a lot of people do know each other. Uh, so the health insurance companies are regional, and they're regional quite strong, they know the people. If you know the people, you just give a call uh, and said, okay, we willing to start with this and certain uh, diagnostic uh, dual project. And okay, interesting, what will be the cost? Okay, we're going to know where are the savings, etc. And you can start, but that's quite easy to do. And we also see that a lot of doctors, hospitals and GPs do have an open mind for new products. So uh, they, they are not bureaucratic in that way. So no, we don't do it. It is not in the guidelines. No, they are all willing to to, yeah, to start with new med, med tech, with new services, etc. And in the system, it is possible to make deals with insurance companies on the local level, on the regional level. So the national level, It's more tough, but on the regional level, local level, you can do a lot of things. That makes it quite uh, interesting for companies to start in the Netherlands. Because that we always uh, saw in the past, a lot of companies from US and also from, from uh, Japan, etc., started in the Netherlands. Because our country is difficult, but if it is a success, it will be everywhere in Europe a success. Because you, you have learned so many things in the Netherlands, what to do and not to do, that everything is going smooth <laughs> afterwards. But also due to the open mindset, you can start quite quick. Uh, you find always somewhere a doctor, a hospital, a GP practice says, oh, this is interesting, I'm going to start, I'm going to make a deal that we can start. Yeah, and then you're up and in. And that, that's how it works. And that makes uh, this a difference maybe uh, with other countries where it is more formalized, etc. And, and we are able to do a lot of informal things. Yeah, that's that that sounds very interesting and very different to, I would say, most of the countries um, I could at least think of. Um, I mean, you could start maybe more on, on a kind of smaller level, but you could expand it 
yes. quite rapidly. I think if it, as you said as well, if it's a, a success, and I think this could as well be a potential kind of role model, especially maybe with a low risk kind of medical devices, etc. I think that sounds maybe really, I mean, I would agree as a kind of learning for other countries as well. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but it's also uh, our system that we are always quite uh, long talking, but at the end of the day, we have a solution and we found a solution and uh, we said, oh, we have a regular, oh, no, this is a solution and we go for it. So <laughs> that's how it works. So that's probably also a bit the kind of uh, Dutch culture, right? Yeah, direct. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, speaking about that kind of flexibility, I mean, obviously across, at least across Europe, risk share agreements are, let's say, quite hotly debated. Is that as well something what is acceptable in the Netherlands? Uh, it is acceptable in the Netherlands, but uh, we have published about it, I think, five, six, seven years ago already. We had a discussion about risk share agreements between pharma, especially between pharma and, and, and health insurance companies. There are some deals, risk sharing deals, but mainly in the pharma uh, fields. So not on the medtech. We see some other uh, things happening in the medtech that, uh, especially on the hospital level, that some big uh, manufacturers make deals with hospitals and said, listen, uh, you are in the need of a certain investment uh, money. We are going to help you with those investments. But then you make a contract with us that 70 or 80 or 90 percent of the stuff you're buying in our company, that kind of deals are made. So if you're not aware of that, you're coming to a hospital, I have a very nice product, but you don't know that they are bound to a certain distributor or manufacturer, and then you don't sell anything. And that kind of things are not published. They are not public, but you have to know that that happens. And wow. uh, big companies, uh, we have one big company in the south of the Netherlands, there's something to do with lamps. I don't know the name of the company. <laughs> also another big US company making those kind of deals. And, and uh, yeah, then, then the hospital is bound to that manufacturer for 70, say 80 or 90% of the business. Ah, okay. So it's also for a patient interesting, because if you know that that manufacturer is the main supplier and they are delivering bad products. Said, oh, no, I don't want to go to that hospital because then I know that I get that and I don't want that. So, I, I, okay, interesting market. <laughs> that sounds also interesting, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, that's not nothing to do with risk sharing, no. but uh, manufacturers are taking the risk <laughs> that they are financing hospitals uh, in a way and that they are bound in that way to each other. So there's also a part, another way of risk sharing. And, and and that is also legally possible. I mean, I could at least imagine, I think in, in Germany, we have already, I think, issues, let's say, to negotiate in some circumstances, let's say, bundles of products, right? Um, that if, you have, yeah. if you're a big company yeah. and you have maybe two, three kind of products, it's, it's at least officially, it's not possible to really negotiate everything at once in some circumstances. I mean, this sounds even a bit broader and a bit more flexible, let's say, right? Yeah, but, but then you have a discussion uh, about who owns a hospital. Mm. It's not the government, not the mm. insurance company, not a, a company, because uh, all the hospitals are more or less foundations, and foundations do have a board, and the board choose their own, their own board members, and they are responsible for the hospitals. And they have management in the hospital, but they don't own the hospital. They are just the managers, the directors of the hospital, and uh, that's it. So they are com completely free to negotiate about what they want to negotiate. There is, uh, it's not forbidden. Uh, if an hospital says, okay, we're willing to invest in a new operation room, 
we don't have the money, we make a deal with company X and they are furnishing, they're doing everything. You're allowed to, it's up to you. And the only thing what you have to do as a hospital to negotiate for your budget and for your DOD prices with insurance companies. And insurance companies are able to say to a hospital, I don't want to do business with you because I have another hospital, it's cheaper, better, whatsoever. That happens. Mm. We have seen in the past of some uh, hospitals went broke, went down, it's over. That can happen. And yeah. then other hospitals are happy or not happy, because depending on the situation. And in that way, we see that also investment companies are slowly coming in the market, in the hospital market. It's not a profitable market, so they are not pushing, I want to be here, but, but yeah, it's, it's changing. It's interesting. But there are so many issues in the market. And due to the fact that we are a small country, uh, a lot of things are happening. And if you know what's happening, you can do a lot of... Uh, Nice. That sounds great. Perfect. So Ron, I think that was a good discussion. I think um, it showed again uh, the kind of flexibility, I think, um, given in the Dutch healthcare system. I think it also shows, I think, how culture as well, I think, drives uh, some of the aspects, I think, also in healthcare. And I think it also shows quite clearly that there is still good kind of benefits and opportunities and options. I think even to start maybe with a kind of smaller country in Europe, because it could also be a kind of good start into a successful story into European market access. I think that's uh, that looks great. That's good. No, Perfect. Let's see, let's see what's going to happen. Yes. Yes. Perfect. So thank, thank you, Ron. Thank and you. And then uh, yeah, get you okay. back into the discussion for sure in the good. future as well. That was an episode of MAP, the market access podcast provided by Mars Market Access and Pricing Strategy, which is your healthcare consultancy in the German-speaking markets. MAP is available every second week with a new episode, so watch out. And in case you might have questions, contact me directly and or visit our website on www.marketaccess-pricingstrategy.de.